The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. I'm joined by Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party Minister for the Environment, Climate, Communications, Transport and, of course, TD for Dublin Bay South, who is going to be attending COP28 uh, this uh, week, which is, of course, in Dubai, which in and of itself is raising some questions. Before we get uh, to talk about COP and before we get to talk about um, climate change and all that goes with it, Mr, I have to raise with you a lot of the coverage and analysis there is in the papers today about what we saw happen on Thursday and about the reaction to it. And the general theme that is emerging is huge pressure on Helen McEntee, huge pressure on Drew Harris, and a suggestion, probably best voiced by Fiona Sheehan in the Irish Independent, that the dogs in the street were barking that something like this was going to happen and that we were ill-prepared. Well, firstly, um, I'm glad you brought it up because we do need to talk about this at length. And you're a Dubliner, Anton, as am I. And I don't think I can think of a previous instance like this in Dublin. Like there's been riots in the past in Dublin, but often it was coming from outside or it was, this was in my mind about really what is, what type of city is Dublin and how do we treat each other, including you know people who've come to this city. And that's why I think one of the reasons why it was so shocking and so important that we respond to it in a way that makes sure we protect the decency and the values and the good things done in our city, recognising that we have problems, like any city, like any place. But, but a lot of the analysis says the issue is not how we respond, it's that we should have prevented it rather than now looking at responding to well, it. Well, first of all, I mean, and first of all, I think we have to keep going back here to the first instance in this, is those poor five-year-old children being stabbed. No one could predict that. You know, that cannot be something that you can predict or would ever want to predict. And our first thoughts has to be with them. Young child still in hospital, the carer, the teacher still there as well. Um, it's impossible to predict that. But the broader point that we have seen in this city, as in other cities across Europe, arise in the far right, particularly in a social media world where a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of misinformation, but also a lot of absolute uh, undiluted hatred is allowed to roam free and, uh, and has been finding expression. In recent protests, you recall that protest a few weeks ago, it wasn't even a protest. I remember a colleague of mine saying at the time, they're not protesters, they're agitators. They were looking for trouble. And but that's the, that, that's the point that is being made across a lot of the analysis, is if you take that protest outside the door where they were hanging effigies and all that went with it, yeah. there was a very light touch to that. And if you look at last night, we saw footage from the centre of town where minor scuffles kicked off and we saw en masse Gardaí responding aggressively and immediately and it ended straight away. And there is a suggestion that if that had happened on Thursday, we wouldn't be where we are. Well, firstly, um, we do have to review the policing of particularly that this kind of misinformed disinformation, uh, hatred inducing um, uh, protests and agitation. We do have to review it. And um, But the first thing we need to do, which I'm very glad last night, is we need to restore calm in the city centre. We need to bring back, reclaim the streets as it were. So that I think it was really important that there was a strong guard presence in the street last night and that this weekend people can return to normal life, that they, they can go to events. Talk to a young fellow in the way in here today. He's going to the Katie Taylor fight tonight. You need to know that you can do that in safety. And I think that was probably, that's the most first immediate important thing 
that we need to say, no, sorry, you can't riot, you don't burn our buses, you don't loot. We we want the city centre for everyone. And, and not just the city centre, every part of the country. Every but is it your view, prima facie, from what you saw on Thursday, that that was an unpreventable coincidence of social media anger and the guards couldn't have done anything, Drew Harris couldn't have done anything, Helen McEntee couldn't have done anything? Well, obviously the guards review in their own operations in terms of how quickly they responded. I was reading the papers already as well this morning and what I'm hearing from reading international experts not others looking in, it's very hard to, but when you have a large social media campaign saying immediately, okay, on the streets at seven, we're going to riot. Um, put, drawing in the Gardaí in time, in the same kind of commensurate time to have them there uh, is difficult. But what the guards did do and what, what happened here is they immediately protected the crime scene. And what you had is an organised protest trying to wreck the crime scene and attack the guards doing their job protecting a crime scene. Like the first thing we had to do was protect a crime scene because everyone agrees that crime has to be, uh, you know, you have to you have to really tackle that. Um, but I, there are people who will say that as soon as that happened at three o'clock, now obviously everything is 2020 in hindsight, but at three o'clock there will be people who will have seen that stabbing and who will have thought, if this is somebody who is not a born Irish citizen, it's going to kick off. This will be used as a flashpoint by the far right. And it was another five, six hours before the real trouble started. Surely that is enough time. Well, for I think the real trouble started with a small group of organised people uh, who were who attacked the guards who were protecting the crime scene and who were there in numbers at that time, and, and that is the that's what and then that kind of lawlessness spread and a whole range of people came in public and added to it. Um, I think the guards did a heroic job, and I, I wasn't there in the city centre at the time, but looking online and there's a lot of coverage of it. You can see a lot of individual guards and guards working together who put themselves in real danger. It was, thank God no one was killed. And we have to commend them. We have to back them. And we do have to review policing tactics of such far-right protests because they are... Uh, something we cannot ignore. I want to talk to you about the, you mentioned the social media aspect of it. A number of significant accounts in and around this uh, were making comment on or comment in advance of. One of those being Conor McGregor, who, what, two days beforehand declared that Ireland is at war and all of the way through the action was tweeting in, in an extraordinarily aggressive manner all of the way through, depending on which side he decided to be on at the time. Does that help? No, there are there is very significant legal changes coming, and this isn't just in response to what happened uh, the other night. It, it was coming anyway. We will have a new commission man, which is and very strong legislation regarding incitement, hate speech, and uh, the what you can and can't do, or what networks have to tolerate online. Um, and that's coming within a short number of weeks. It's been already through years of or months of uh, of debate in the in the doll. It is very difficult to completely police every aspect of the internet. Channels like Telegram, for example, it's not regulated within the European Union. Very hard to actually um, regulate that. I think Twitter has got uh, has got a real issue. I, I think there's my understanding in terms of the ability for us, even the other day, to be able to respond to a lot of disinformation. And including that, I think we have to be very careful if an instance occurs, depiction of who carried it out and what their background is. Like, that's not helpful. Well, let me put to you then, because you mentioned Twitter, the, the owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, about the Irish government of which you are a part, said 
The current Irish government cares more about praise from woke media than their own people. He went on to say this is their last term in office. And then, ironically, the Irish PM hates the Irish people. It just shows what little he knows about the country. And and, uh, and maybe that is uh, that is the background to why there are such problems now on Twitter and X in terms of taking down uh, material because his very uh, uh, his very powerful position is in my mind being abused and misused, and we know that here because we can see how did they respond when we were looking. Listen, you can't put that stuff up at the moment because it's dangerous. It's in hate. It's inciting, and they didn't act. And I think that's a real issue. The company has real questions to answer. I'm conscious we do have to talk about the uh, COP, but before that, just the, the legacy of this in terms of reputational damage. Because when we talk about Elon Musk, 164 million followers globally and a repeated commentary around Ireland being now apparently unsafe, all of the kind of stuff that uh, our IDA, EI, Tourism Ireland will have spent years trying to create the opposite image of us internationally. Has this done lasting damage? Uh, but that's not the most important issue. The first thing is, you and I walking down a street in Dublin, how do we feel? Every, particularly every person who's come and living in this city now has come from outside. How do they feel? That's the first most important thing. This is all about how we as Dubliners see our own streets and feel in our own streets. And we will get that right. We have a country and a government, a democratic constitutional system that can get the policing and the management of this in a whole variety of different ways. That's what matters here. If whatever the international representation, yes, that's significant, but that's of no significance compared to the importance of how we feel as Dubliners on our own streets. And that's the important thing. We need to restore and maintain the decency and the values of Dublin was not reflected. I think Fintan O'Toole put it well. That was not reflected by what happened on Thursday night. We know Dublin is better than that. Let us turn then to COP28, which starts Thursday. You're going to be in attendance uh, next Saturday. It is in Dubai. A lot of the reaction to that being, hang on a minute, that you do want petro states to get involved in the climate change agenda. But Dubai? Yeah, and, and, and maybe in a way, well, firstly, there are a lot of petro states. You know, our next door neighbours are expanding their oil and gas exploration. Our, our neighbours on the other side in the States are probably the biggest oil producing. They pump 13 million barrels a day, bigger than anyone else. So, But is it greenwashing? No, it can't be. We have to address the climate crisis now because it's, it's, it's immediate, urgent, apparent in front of us. The world in the last two weeks has just gone above a two degree average temperature increase, which we've always said was, now it, it'll go back down again. It's it's related to an El Nino year, but what's happening in our climate is screaming at us. We got to cut out the fossil fuels. So whether it's in a country that produces oil or not, we have to, we know we have to reduce the use of fossil fuels. We know we have to phase out the use of fossil fuels. And that's something we won't hold back in Dubai, whether it's in a oil-producing state or otherwise, um, that's centre stage. I think there'll be five or six elements to it that are going to be key. Firstly, you have to have the alternative, and we will commit 200 countries to triple renewable power in the next seven years. We will commit to double efficiency because that, with renewables, is the key solution. We will commit to stopping the wasteful release of methane because that's a short-lived, very fast greenhouse gas that we need to that we can actually try and bring those temperatures back down again. But there's two other then key elements in my mind. What I've been negotiating for: one is we have to invest in the poorest 
developing countries in the world that are hit most by climate change. And we do that for a whole variety of reasons. Firstly, there's a justice aspect to it. Uh, it it's the only way everywhere has to respond to attacking climate change. It actually addresses, if we invest in the likes of Africa in a clean energy system, that's the best protection against forced migration, which is a real issue for Europe and Africa and the same in other parts of and the world. And they have the scope to make that step change jump in terms of a lot of the technologies. Yeah. And, well, the last, and the fifth then... The last thing, the fifth one is the fossil fuel producers have to pay. They have to contribute to the solution rather than continue to be the course of the source of the... The middle of those was a reduction in methane. Does that have implications in Ireland when it comes to the herd? Yes, but the first focus will be on fossil methane, fossil methane from gas production. So the, the, the land use methane is more complicated. That's coming. It's something we can't avoid. But it is primarily first in this COP. It'll be about fossil methane. You say this COP. One of the, the characteristics of uh, COPs up until this point has been a lot of apparent political consensus and not a huge pile of immediate, direct, concrete action off the back of it. Do you believe that this one will be any different? I think they are. It, it is. I mean, it's fair to get 200 countries to agree and then implement change. But that's what we have to do. I, my, um, I, I was involved the last few years in the negotiations. I was involved last year. Ireland had a very proud role in the issue of loss and damage, which is the establishment of a fund to protect those or to help those areas that have been hit by climate, be it a hurricane or be it drought or be it flooding, to try and provide funding to support countries through that, poorer countries particularly. Ireland had a central role because as part of the European negotiation team last year, we agreed on the principle of a fund. And then in the last year, and also we really set the parameters that it had to be targeted the most vulnerable countries. And in the last year, we've been working on what was set up a transition committee to implement it. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we got broad agreement in that committee on how we would set it up. Uh, and I expect on the first day of COP, 30th of November next week, we will get broad agreement on the concept and then make it a reality. But is that not what I, that goes to some extent to what I mean? Broad agreement on a concept. 200, 200 countries agreeing and then make it reality. It will be established in the World Bank. We will need at least 200 million euros agreed later next week as a first round of funding so you can operationalise it. So no, working in place. So that gives me sense, I suppose because we were involved in it as well, you can deliver stuff. You I have to put the, the expected question to you, which is given that this is in Dubai and that you are in taking all of the carbon hit that goes with flying to Dubai, how do you justify that when at the same time the message is that we should be doing the opposite? Well, I, first of all, when we make this change in climate, I, I'm constantly saying we won't work it if it's a shaming, naming, you're the problem, you're a fault, is that, are you, is that coffee the right low-carbon fair trade coffee? You know, that way, every morning of every day, you'd be in a moral conundrum. Our job as politicians is to change the system, the financial system, the economic system, the energy system, the transport systems, food systems, so that it's easier for us to do the right. But people would also say that it is your job to set an example and that it, given the nature of the topic that is up for discussion, that you could all say, do you know what, guys, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, any of those, we can still meet. We don't have to incur all of the jet fuel cost. Yeah, and a lot. I, I had two meetings yesterday, just just like that, with people all over the world. We do those every day, pretty much now. But sometimes this, where you do need to sit down around the table, and you do, it's it's three in the morning after ten hours of discussions, is where you come to conclusion. I, I don't think you can do it with. Uh, sometimes you do have to meet, and this is one of those occasions. Before we wrap up, just to return to where we were earlier on, we have been discussing the the rise of the the far right, and we've been discussing the the impact that it it had on Thursday and those riots. 
Do you put any stock in the notion that there is a disenfranchised cohort that is being wooed by the far right and that the government is culpable to some degree in allowing that cohort to develop, that you have ignored a a section of society who are now easy pickings for the far right and there's culpability on the government on that? I don't think we have ignored a section of society. There's no intention at all for t- towards that. But I, 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 I take your point that there are people in our city or in our country who have concerns about aspects of what's happening in the world, including the issue of migration. We have to be able to reassure them, address them, listen. You know, you don't... It's not like... Come back to what I said. If we if we approach the climate issues that we're worth better than you, and and you tell and you have to do what we tell you to do, that wouldn't work. Well, similarly, how we create a country that's truly inclusive and respectful of each other, regardless of where people have come from, you don't get that by a finger pointing or, or by not listening to people. Yes, we need to work with our communities right across the country because there are obvious concerns, but I think we can do that. And I think actually the vast majority of the Irish people. They do want this to be a tolerant and a place where it's respectful and it's safe. Eamon Ryan, thank you very much. That is Minister Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, Minister for the Environment, Climate, Communications and Transport. 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. If you want to get in touch, or you can get us on WhatsApp. 87 The Anton Savage Show. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at 9. On News Talk.